Okay. <laughs> I don't know how to introduce myself. <laughs> okay. Uh. <sighs> okay, well that's good because I'm I don't know, but I wrote out everything I wanted to say, so um hopefully this will come out real nice on the other end. <laughs> <laughs> um yeah so i tried to think about that when i was sending you my bio and i'm like i don't know um i know i this is why i don't give my kids nicknames because i like have an existential crisis anytime somebody asks me what is my name and so um i i mean typically yeah that's what i put and then I sent it and I realized that that was a filler and I hadn't actually made the decision. Um, so I mean, like typically over my life, I've been like Elizabeth in like academic settings. I've been Liz since like high school and I've been Lizzie to like family and friends. And as an adult, I've tried to bring that kind of back, but <laughs> um, I think my preference would be either Elizabeth or Lizzie. Um, but, uh, okay, okay, yeah, it, yeah, again, like, it was my teachers that called me that, and my one grandma, so, <laughs> so, yeah, that sounds good. Oh, thank you. I was really excited that you thought I was interesting enough to talk to. <laughs> I think we're good. I can, do you want me to press the echo cancellation thing? Yeah. Okay. 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 Um, the longer I homeschool, the more and more benefits I see to doing it with a vision statement. And the more convinced I am that starting with a vision statement is one of the best things you can do for your homeschool. The short answer to your question is because of all they can do. It can be a very powerful document. And this is certainly not an exhaustive list, but here are some of the ways that I have found in which a vision statement can help. If you think about education as a journey, it can help determine your destination or direction and illuminate your path. It can help you from becoming overwhelmed with all the philosophy and curricula choices that are out there. 
It can help you from getting lost in the world of homeschooling. It is an invaluable roadmap that can help from help you from getting too far off track. Uh, it can help you navigate, evaluate, and choose curricula. It can save you money. Uh, it can help you do the best things instead of using all your time on the just good or even bad things. Uh, it can help remove guilt. It can plan help you plan your academic year. Uh, it can help you determine a schedule or routine for your day or help evaluate what you already have in place. It can help you um, it can help direct your own goals and personal education. It can help you to keep going through the hard days or years, and it can help you be resilient. Uh, when someone decides to homeschool, the very first questions that typically get asked are, how, to, how do I do this? And what curriculum should I use? This is completely understandable. I mean, those are the exact same questions I asked. Um, but this starting point reminds me of this scene from Alice's Adventures in Wonderland between Alice and the Cheshire Cat. Would you tell me, please, which way I ought to go from here? That depends a good deal on where you want to get to, said the cat. I don't care where, said Alice. Then it doesn't matter which way you go, said the cat. So long as I get somewhere, Alice added as an explanation. Oh, you're sure to do that, said the cat, if you only walk long enough. Which program or curriculum you use seems inherently important, and we somehow intuitively grasp the fact they are not all equal, and they do make a difference in the quality of your child's education. But if we don't start with an idea of where we want to go on this journey, when we start without knowing our guiding principles or essentials or top priorities, one curriculum or method is just as good as the next, for they each will take you somewhere and some type of education will happen. But we will get bogged down in all of the choices in the decision-making process, and we won't be able to truly discern what is best. <sighs> Did it. Oh, absolutely. So we as parents are responsible for our child's learning and growth. Going the public school route isn't the abdication of that responsibility. It is a choice we make for the formal side of their academic education. Children still learn and grow outside of the school time and space, and school can't possibly teach them everything. A vision statement can help you choose the best things to do with the time your child has or the time you have with your child outside of school. Sometimes, yes. I mean, um, yeah. sometimes, yeah, just get up and try to coerce your kids to do something they don't want to do sometimes. And that can just feel the same. I've gotten mad at my kids plenty of times when they're like, I don't want to do school. And I'm like, well, it's this or I have to send you to public school because there are laws and I will get in trouble. 
No. Sure. Um, so one of the things that's really important to me are my children's relationships with each other. Like, I want my kids to be friends with each other now. I want them to be friends with each other when they become adults. Um, like, that's really important to me. And so when you're, you know, in the middle of a math lesson and you're dealing with, like, a complete meltdown, it can feel so easy to be like, okay, well, if I just sent them to public school, somebody else can take care of this problem. Um, but, but if I do that, my kids are no longer spending that amount of time that is necessary for them to, to become friends. And so if I have that, and I know that, then it makes it, I guess, doable to just keep going through that math lesson because, um, what I'm gaining is that time for my kids to be with each other and for me to kind of better help facilitate like my ideals. So it's pretty easy to get started on a vision statement. It doesn't have to be complicated. Um, the basic process is to ask questions to get at those priorities and to record those answers. Uh, once you feel you have enough information, you can review your answers and see if any themes or patterns stick out to you. And then those things that pop up several times are most likely your top priorities and what you can use as the basis of your vision statement. Um, if you're not sure about what questions to ask, I have a few that could help you get started. Uh, so you can ask some big picture questions such as what inspired your desire or decision to homeschool? What is the purpose? of or benefits to homeschooling? What is the purpose of education? What are my child's needs? What experiences do I want them to have? You can ask um, end of the road questions, such as what are the things you want your children to know when they leave your house? If you could only pick one thing for your child to know when they reached adulthood, what would it be? What would you like your grown-up child to say about their home, their experience of being homeschooled? What do you want your grown-up child to say about you as a homeschool parent? When your children are all grown up and you look back on the years of raising them, what do you want to see? What kind of people do you want your children to be when they grow up? What qualities are important to you that they develop? What skills do you want your adult children to have? Uh, and then you can also ask um, how, kind of how to get their questions, such as uh, what types of activities would you like your day to be filled with? What are the non-negotiables that you want your child to study? What type of learning environment do you want to create? What adjectives do you want to describe the atmosphere of your homeschool? Um, and what adjectives do you want to describe your homeschool experience? Um, I can also recommend uh, Pam Barnhill's book, Plan Your Year, Homeschool Planning for Purpose and Peace. Uh, the first thing that she has you do before planning your academic year is to create a vision statement. She's actually the person that I first heard about vision statements from. Um, so I'm very grateful to her for that. But um, I, I also believe she has an online course that's based on the book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, just tell me what you want me to do with it and I can create something. Okay. Um, well, ultimately, you will only know if it's usable by trying to use it. 
Um, so you can try planning a school term or a Monday schedule or evaluate a curriculum you've been thinking about and just see what happens. Um, however, the most important thing to keep in mind in terms of usability is size. So the longer or bigger it is, the more useless it becomes. You're trying to figure out your top priorities, your essentials, your best things. The more you add to the vision statement, the more likely secondary or lower priorities are going to creep in. And it's just harder to have a vision when it's cluttered with too many ideas. It is better to start out with one idea than 20. So with a vision statement, you know what you're looking for. You're going to be able to choose the best there. So for example, I used to be the general manager at a family-owned burger and shake shop. Um, I started as a regular employee and worked my way up. When I started as general manager, the owners had taken over the hiring process from the previous general manager. Um, I... I do not know what their decision process was, but the people they hired for me were not great workers. They never lasted more than two weeks. Most were gone in like one to five days. It, it was awful. Um, I finally convinced them to hand the hiring over to me. Uh, because I had been working there for a couple years, I knew what I was looking for in a new employee. So I knew the vital qualities they needed to have in order to do the job, and this led to hiring people who were good workers, who could handle the job, and our turnover rate went way down. Um, it's the same with using a vision statement to hire different things for your education. You know what you're looking for, so the amount of wasted time, bad experiences, and frustration comes way down. Oh man, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, absolutely seems like they are limitless. Oh my goodness. Um, so in a talk he gave back in 2007 called Good, Better, Best, Dallin H. Oak said, most of us have more things expected of, of us than we can possibly do. We face many choices on what we will do with our time and our other resources. We should begin by recognizing the reality that just something that just because something is good is not a sufficient reason for doing it. The number of good things we can do far exceeds the time available to accomplish them. Some things are better than good, and these are the things that should command priority attention in our lives. Okay, hold on. Hey, Zelda, can you please stop wailing? 
Do you want me to read that again? <laughs> yeah. Okay, that's fine. Okay, Zelda, are you okay? Can I keep going? <laughs> All right. In a talk he gave back in 2007 called Good, Better, Best, Dallin H. Oak said, Most of us have more things expected of us than we can possibly do. We face many choices on what we will do with our time and other resources. We should begin by recognizing the reality that just because something is good is not a sufficient reason for doing it. The number of good things we can do far exceeds the time available to accomplish them. Some things are better than good, and these are the things that should command priority attention in our lives. When you've taken the time to figure out what those better things are that should have your attention, it is so much easier to see which things are less than that. And with that comes the ability or peace in being able to say no to something. It can really help manage your fear of missing out, especially when you realize the truth is every time you're saying yes to something, you're silently saying no to everything else for which that time could be used. I really like what Karen Glass, author of Consider This, Know and Tell, and In Vital Harmony, and a Charlotte Mason educational expert, uh, wrote in a Facebook conversation. Uh, Jerry Lynn, this is what I was telling you. I don't know if you want to cut this out or not, because it might be weird. But... Um, she was explaining the concept of captain ideas, which, is, which are essentially many vision statements for the different subjects we teach. She said, we need them because they constrain our educational efforts within certain parameters while also inspiring us and giving us an ideal to strive for. So knowing our parameters and the ideal we are striving for helps shape our homeschool and it makes it easier to know what to say yes to and what needs to be a no. is also why I wrote everything out. <laughs> So my faith is at the center of my life. It is the meaning of everything, and it's really the ultimate vision statement of, of life. Um, so a homeschooling vision statement without it would be incomplete and, frankly, of just no use to me. Um, again, that goes back to the usability um, issue. Like, if, if it's missing something core, it's not going to be useful to you. 
Um, so I've also spent a lot of time studying and thinking about what makes the best life and what good human development looks like. I also know I can't do everything in a day. From experience, I knew the benefits of reading, to which I discovered even more benefits from my research, especially reading aloud. Um, it is one of those simple things you can do that make a huge impact, and those types of things, as I've learned, are important to seek out. Um, you have limited time and energy. Uh, the same goes with being out of doors. Uh, my priority was to foster a love of nature in my children. I wasn't quite sure how best to help facilitate that, so I read a lot on the subject, and it turns out the best way is to get them outside and interacting with nature. But as I continued to read, I discovered just how vital to good human development being outdoors is. Um, it was another one of those simple things you can do that has an amazing return on investment. Um, I do want to point out, however, maybe kind of in the hopes of opening up some more understanding about some of the ideas that we've talked about, um, that in my vision statement, my primary goal is in being outside is love of nature. It's not good human development. It's not movement. It's not sensory input. Um, those things, while important to me, are not my top priority. So when I choose our outdoor activities, they always get filtered through that lens first. Um, for the past couple of years, we've been participating in a four school-based co-op twice a week. Um, this was what I chose or hired uh, to help me with my goal of love of nature. But after the way the things went this past year, it was obvious while it was still a good thing, it was no longer the best thing. And in some ways was actually hindering my efforts. Um, my oldest was pushing back on some of the classes and that led to pushing back on just even going to the co-op. So I went back and I figured out what my needs were. Um, since this co-op was actually hired to fill multiple needs um, and did research on what would be the, the best next step. Luckily, I run this co-op. So instead of having to find or start a new group, I was able to restructure this one. And I'm really excited about um, where these changes are going to take my family. Um, but if I hadn't spent the time to know my priorities, the co-op probably would have stayed the same and we would continue using a huge chunk of our time on a good thing and wouldn't have had the room in our schedule for the best thing or the thing we needed most. Yeah, no, that that's absolutely right. Like, so my vision didn't change. You could think about that's maybe like my principle. And the way that we were doing forest school was really like the application of that principle. That's kind of another way to look at that. And But that application was no longer working. Well, sure. Um, so when I started 
um, the forest school, I mean, I really didn't know what I was doing. Um, so we just really just made, did the best that we could. Um, and, and things changed and grew as we added or subtracted families. Um, and sorry, my daughter's bothering me. Um, and, and again, so my primary goal was that love of nature, but, um, there were those, those secondary things like I wanted, I wanted them to play in nature. I wanted them to move. I wanted them, you know, to get that sensory input, um, just a lot of different things. And what I was seeing is that we had essentially become just doing classes outside, um, and not necessarily engaging with nature. Um, we had ended up starting to go to more, uh, while very beautiful, but like more manicured locations. Um, and so that's, that's a lot more difficult to like spontaneously find things or, um, to really like, um, you know, yeah. 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 Yeah, and so what what we're doing is well, and so before we had like segmented classes and everybody taught the classes, you know, a different teacher taught the classes and you'd be like, "Okay, now it's nature journaling time. Now it's um, we're going to learn a folk song. Now we're going to and so not necessarily everything that we were doing like really helped connect to nature. Like it wasn't really the center of what we were doing anymore. And um what we're trying to what we're attempting to move forward to this is um again we don't know what we're doing so this is still all a big experiment um but we're we've decided that we are gonna um only meet in those places that um really help you get immersed into nature um you know things places that don't have playgrounds um might not have uh toilets plumbing to go to but but really have you know all um you'll you'll be able to feel like you're in nature and not in a man-made environment um we're we're getting rid of all of the different subjects we're not segmenting it out and everything's going to be one cohesive lesson um we're using the coyote's guide to connecting with nature um as our base curriculum um, it has a lot of flexibility that we can pull um, pull from and create um, lessons that will fit our needs. And sorry, she's going. <laughs> um, and um, we we chose that book because it it also had those um those same end goals with um getting people connected with nature that we did. I mean, yeah, we spent a lot of time, like, researching and working on this project, but the thing is, is we've never done it before, so we don't really know how it's going to turn out. 
Well, that side note actually works very well with my answer to that question about measuring success. <laughs> okay. Well, success is a tricky subject. Um, we learn what are the best things to do by the patterns that emerge and the results or outcomes we see happening in children in relation to what we are doing. So, for example, we know kids who have read, who have been read to their whole lives, develop better, larger vocabularies, both from you know hearing them speak and because they're testing higher in vocabulary on standardized tests. If having a large vocabulary is important is an important goal to you, then you would start reading books to your kids, especially ones which use rich language. We start running into problems, however, when we believe X plus Y is always going to equal Z. That's not how humans work. You can control what you do, but your child isn't you, and you only have limited control over them. And really, that little control is mostly an illusion. <laughs> um, in terms of this example, you read to your child and it's not producing the vocabulary you're expecting. Maybe there's an auditory processing issue. Maybe there's, they're on a slower development timeline than you would like. Or maybe they're simply choosing not to listen while you read. Um, but when you're defining success on the outcome, it can often look like you are failing and you can end up ditching the best things you should be doing. Do you have a certain destination in mind when you write a vision statement? Yes, of course. Are there things that best help us arrive at that destination? Again, yes. But it's more about the essential things that we do day in and day out. It is the answer to the question, how should we then live? It is about the environment and experience we wish to create. And I think that it places what and where the measurement of success ought to be on what we do ourselves. For example, from my vision statement, it says, we are story formed by the best books. The phrase story formed, I pulled from Sarah Clark's, Clarkson's wonderful book, Caught Up in a Story. You should read it. Um, there is little chance that my children will end up story formed if I don't read them stories, if books aren't available to read, and we never listen to a good audiobook. On the flip side, I cannot guarantee they will end up a certain way because I read stories. Say, if I read Pinocchio to my child, that doesn't mean they will learn not to be a liar. And from that moment on, they are always honest. I would always feel like a failure if that was the type of outcome I was expecting and trying to measure my success based on that. But what I can do, what I do have control over is how much time I spend reading to my kids, the quality of books we read, keeping them in supply of books, turning on an audiobook when we're in the car, and reading myself, showing them how joyful of an activity it is. I know those are the best things to do if I'm trying to be story formed, and that's what I can measure my success on. Did I do my part? And I know if I did my part because my vision statement is showing me the things I ought to do. In homeschooling, we should make our measurement for success personal action-based rather than child outcome-based.
Well, I can share something that I thought of if you want to keep thinking. So, so yeah, we're doing swimming lessons this summer. And um, in the program that we're using, um, they have, like, different stations. And you can progress throughout the stations, you know, once you've mastered all the things. And um, I have um, child number three is um, exceptionally talented at, like, athletics and all things physical. And so... <laughs> And so he he's been progressing at a much faster pace than his two older siblings. And so but it's been really fun that I've been able to have conversations with my kids, you know, talking about, you know, talents. Um uh talking about talents, um but also on the other side that even if we don't have a talent, we can we can work hard at something and we can progress. And so we've really been trying to emphasize um, the, like the process of doing the hard work and, and just like, that's what's going to like, that's what matters and that's, what's important. And if you do that, you are going to eventually progress. And, um, and so my oldest has had some, you know, really hard days where he doesn't think things are going well. And we, we kind of talk through it and we're just like, we just, you know, you just need to do your best. You need to work hard. And then today he was really excited because he's like, I'm doing like, I've started to progress. I mean, cause you know, progression is not linear. So, um, you, it's kind of hard to push through sometimes, but, um, but he came home really, or he came, finished and he was really excited because he's like, I, I'm finally, like, I'm progressing. I, I made progress today and I think I'm going to be able to move up, move up another station, uh, next week. Hold on. Hey Zelda, if you were going to be making that noise, you need to go into a different room. Okay. <sighs> Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, so I, I heard this story. Um, a girl that I go to church with was giving a talk and uh, talking about, you know, this hard, hard time that they were having with math. And there was this one concept that just like the whole class didn't understand. And so the, the teacher did, you know, stop and, and take time. But after two weeks, she's like, I'm required. Like, I have to move on. I'm required. And she said most of the class still did not understand. And I was just like, but it's math. If you don't understand that, you're going to have a breakdown further down in the road. It's more important to understand before moving on. I don't know. Just, it made me sad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, so I, so, um, yeah, when we talked earlier, I told you, um, I guess the options that I had that would have been impossible. I told you I hadn't fleshed that out, but I actually ended up kind of liking what I wrote. So I don't know. We could do that question. It's just above this. It's the question before the success question. Okay. Um, well, so for me personally, it's been like the creative aspect um, of this endeavor that I would have missed out on if I had sent my kids to traditional school. So I've essentially been building a school from scratch. And I really like that I get to be the designer, the decision maker, and the implementer. I've really loved... Um, being able to build an educational experience that is centered on my faith is based on what good human development looks like um, and uses true principles of education. Like, I am not beholden to teaching to a test or justifying my choices to others in order to do them, which leaves me free to make the best decisions. Um, for my kids, um, it's really that we've been able to use our school time to learn outside the constraints of a physical building and go on adventures. So, yeah, um, we started out with a wild and free group that meant twice a month for activities. Then we moved on to creating a group that went hiking once a week. And then, yeah, a couple years ago, we tacked on a twice a week for school-based co-op. And um, we've really been able to go and do things um that you just can't when you're you know in a physical building or um you have limited time outside of school i actually went and looked up what the elementary school schedule was in the district i live in and they're in school for seven hours and 20 minutes um and we live in an area where um buses are not used to the full potential and so there is a parent drop-off and I just I whenever I pass one of those lines I'm like that right there is is what keeps me homeschooling so I don't have to go do that and like when you add that on like that's I mean you're talking like nine hours of your day Oh, yeah, I, so, so yeah, I, when growing up, I, I was bused to school, and, um, yeah, it, I, I do not know how they did this, because, like, my morning bus rides, we had, like, five kids, always, there was just, like, five kids, and, it, you know, like, I was, like, the last person they picked up, and so I just went straight to school, um, but, yeah, like, coming home, it was, like, an hour, an hour and a half, like as long as something didn't go wrong <laughs> and, and things often went wrong so <laughs> i yeah so i was getting home at like 4 45 um yeah well luckily in, my high school went until like a quarter after four so luckily in 10th grade i moved within walking distance <laughs> um but yeah
Thank you. I, I just hope, yeah, that this was helpful to, to at least one person. <laughs> yeah.